Good morning, church. My name is Tyler, one of the pastors here at Westview, and welcome. Uh, this morning, we continue in this series we're titling Next, Leadership uh, Through Liminal Spaces, and uh, so great to be able to join together. Thank you for uh, worshiping wherever it is this morning that you are in your kitchens, your living rooms, your dining rooms. We are just delighted uh, to be able to gather and to be in God's Word. And so, church, thanks for being a part of this again this morning. Eric Geiger, who is a pastor and author of one of my favorite books on Christian leadership, uh, it was titled Simple Church. And he had this to say on this subject of leadership. He said, leadership is always a temporary assignment. Always. Now, he goes on to explain in greater detail, so let me unpack that a bit here for us as we get going. He says, leadership is a temporary assignment because leaders do not ultimately own the teams and ministries or organizations that they lead. They simply steward what the Lord has entrusted to their care for a season. Wise leaders embrace the temporal reality of leading as they prepare the ministry for the future. Because the assignment is fleeting, developing others for leadership is an essential responsibility of a leader. And I couldn't agree more. This is the tension, I think, that Christian leaders and pastors face in their role as they kind of hold a tight grasp onto the, the leaders and, and, and people who they have some oversight and relationship with, yet to hold it loosely enough as they recognize, as Geiger points out, that those people, those ministries, those organizations don't necessarily belong to them. They are to steward them. They're entrusted to them, albeit for a temporary season. Because the reality is, if we look at everything, it belongs, no, not to us, it belongs to the Lord. What we're called to do as leaders, all of us, is to steward, as we said, to be stewards of this for whatever season the Lord grants them to us. Leadership that understands and embraces this, I think, is the type of leadership that is going to see significant fruit. I think it's a leadership that people want to follow. It's a leadership that, that at least I want to emulate. And likely you've seen leadership that pushes back at this in, in one part of it or another. I think in these instances, the term that I conjure up is this idea of a train wreck. Because I think if you're a leader who doesn't develop leaders, who doesn't recognize this principle of, of stewardship, of acknowledging and respecting and being responsible for those who are following you, then if you're not doing that as a leader, then really you're just going on a long, lonely walk. And why I picked this story that we're going to look at here in a few moments of Moses and Joshua is because I think it's a great story for us, again, to understand leadership through these liminal spaces. Now, just a reminder, again, if you didn't perhaps watch our message last Sunday, we're looking at this idea of, of a liminal space, this this space that is a threshold space, this space that's the in-between, the, the not-quite-now-but-not-quite-yet space, this space in between that first gear and second gear as we talked about driving in a standard vehicle. So I picked this story to reflect best this liminal space because, you see, Moses understood 
this temporary nature of leadership and the necessity of succession. Moses selected and invested in leaders. We see in the life of Moses as well, this leadership modeled of of leadership replication. And so this morning, I want us to look at the life of Moses and Joshua. In my opinion, it's one of the best stories in all of Scripture where leadership transition goes well. Why don't you pray with me, church, as we get going? Lord Jesus, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for this chance to be in the Word, to look upon the Scriptures and have them speak to us, to help us to recognize through them what it is that you would have for us in this space and time this place that we find ourselves in as a church, this liminal space, this in-between. And so I thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing in our midst, in this place. And we pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Church, if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, uh, I'd encourage you, uh, turn them on, open them up. Either way, get yourself to uh, Numbers chapter 27. Uh, verses 21 to 23, and I want to read, sorry, 12 to 23, and I want to read those uh, together. Now, words will be on the screen as well. Feel free to follow along, and if you haven't already, there are sermon notes on our uh, website as well. Uh, you can just hit pause on this video, go uh, download those, and if you want to use those, they're a great way of being able to engage with the scriptures and with the sermon. But let me read these for us. Then the Lord said to Moses, go up this mountain in the Abraham Ridge, And see the land I have given the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people, as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters of the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. These were the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the desert of Zin. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out, and at his command, they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. This pattern of multiplication in Moses' life and leadership, I feel reached its pinnacle with the selection here of Joshua as his successor. This morning, our focus of this sermon will be leadership transition when it goes well. Because I'm sure that you are well aware it doesn't always go well. And so that's what we're going to look at next Sunday. And so next Sunday, I've invited Rob Ogilvie, who is our executive minister for our denomination. And he's going to come and share a bit with us about some of his leadership experience working in churches and working with churches uh, where things don't always go well. But let's dive deeper into this relationship of Moses and Joshua this morning and see what it can teach us. 
And the first point I want us to look at are the, the differences between Moses and Joshua, because they were quite different. And that might be one of the hardest things, I think, for us as a church to embrace when we find ourselves kind of in these, these seasons of transition. I know I said the sermon was going to focus on when leadership transition goes well, and we will get to that. But I want us to establish a bit of context and to understand these two men, their personalities, their characteristics, their behaviors, as we help to apply their lives and, and live out their story. The first thing I want us to look at is the fact that every leader is different. Their mannerisms, their personality, their, their tone, their style, every person is different. And that's a good thing. And I think it will benefit us when we understand that differences are a good thing. Because I don't want us to dwell on the differences. Rather, I think they are good and we should embrace them. If we agree that God is in the midst of this leadership transition that we find ourselves in as a church, that his hand is upon the process, then if we simply are to just dwell on these differences, if we push back against the process, then I think essentially what we're saying to God is that we know better. That we know better how to handle such a transition from one leader to the other. But you see, God, if he is truly in this transition, and we believe that he is, then we see from the transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua that God knows what he's doing. That in the midst of these differences, using who Joshua is to be the leader the people of God need. So let's look at these differences and three points kind of on them as we begin this morning. The first one is these, these leadership beginnings of Moses and Joshua. You see, Moses began his leadership journey later on in life. Moses began as a mature adult male living in slavery to the Pharaoh. When God chooses him, and see, for Moses, everything about the Exodus occurs when, when Moses is later on in his life. But for Joshua, Joshua begins his leadership journey earlier on in his life. He begins the same experience, but as a boy, with, with kind of a boy's sense of, of everything about life. Joshua matures into a man during the Exodus. One commentary writer put it this way. He said, you might say that Moses experiences the Exodus while Joshua learns the Exodus. So what do these differences help you and I to understand? Well, I think first off that a person's age does nothing to disqualify them from a position of leadership. I don't know about you, maybe it's just a pet peeve of me, but I struggled, especially in the years when I was a youth pastor prior to coming here to Westview, when, when people would say about our youth group, our young people, that they were the, the church of tomorrow. Why can't they be the church of today? Like, what about their age disqualifies them from being a tangible impact into the church now? You see, I think God knew what he was doing when he called a younger leader like Joshua to lead God's people into the next chapter of their story. The second difference is their temperament. And I feel like it's an often stereotypical assumption with young leaders is that they're less mature or they're quick to fly off the handle when it comes to their temperament. You see, not so with Joshua. 
Moses lost his temper, which got him oftentimes into trouble. In Exodus chapter 2, we read the story where he kills the Egyptian who was abusing the Hebrew slave. He got angry and broke the stone tablets of the covenant at the foot of the mountain. He got angry at the sinful grumblings of the Hebrews as they disobeyed God by striking the rock twice rather than speaking to the rock to get water. Moses had a bit of a temper. But Joshua, on the other hand, doesn't seem to reflect the same temperament of his predecessor. The emotional responses we see from Joshua seem to be less intense as those of Moses. When the Lord allowed the Hebrews to be defeated at Ai, he tore his clothes and fell to the ground. We see in Joshua 8.1 a reminder to this young leader. We see these words. The Lord says to Joshua, Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. So there's a likelihood that perhaps while Joshua wasn't predisposed to kind of these outbursts of anger like Moses, there may have been a reality that what Joshua struggled with was, was lack of esteem, with, with lack of confidence. But if you've ever found yourself in a position of leadership, has that not been perhaps for you an all-too-familiar experience as well? I know for me it has been, certainly. Is that not why the Lord, again, then in Joshua 1.9, declares these words? Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Church, I want to ask you a question this morning, and it's simply this. How many of you needed to hear that? How many of us need to hear those words this morning? Be strong and courageous. The Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go, be strong and courageous. I mean, just let that wash over you for a second, because I think those are such critical words. For many of us in this season we find ourselves in, in this great unknown, in this liminal space, in this in-between, be strong, have courage, because the Lord is with you. The final difference I want us to look at this morning is, is their personality, their character perhaps best. In Exodus 4, we see this exchange of words between the Lord and Moses. The words will be on your screen. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. But Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Many scholars believe that this exchange between the Lord and Moses indicates that there was some level of struggle in his physical ability to, to speak and to preach. But that likely as well, he could have struggled emotionally with, with worry and anxiety. Joshua, on the other hand, is going to act often like a young leader acts. He's going to be this kind of man on a mission. That he's going to demonstrate very little doubt or hesitancy. 
One author I was reading said it this way. He said he knows exactly who he is, his relationship with God, and the implications of that relationship, referring to, to Joshua. Not always negative traits that you want to see in a leader. But in as much as there were differences between Moses and Joshua, there were some similarities as well. And that's our second point this morning. Now, I'm not going to spend as much time looking at these similarities, but I want to, to look at these for a couple of reasons. First, I think it's important for us to recognize that what makes one leader different from the other is a good thing. Second, that dwelling on similarities too much can oftentimes cause us to long for what we had instead of being thankful for what we have. And thirdly, that it's important that we do recognize that there are some core competencies that ought to be a part of any godly leader. When I look at leadership transition in the local church, I feel that these similarities exist between Moses and Joshua are what to are what we are to, to pursue as this constancy that we would want to see from an outgoing and an incoming leader. Namely, that what we want in any godly leader is this relational connection. Because the reality is, is leadership is highly relational. I think it's best said this way, leadership without relationship is a dictatorship. And so my encouragement to us as a church would be, as we enter into this season, that yes, it is good to grieve the departure of our two previous pastors. Because we develop such strong relationships with them over so many years. But what is good for us as a church to do as we enter into this new season, and I understand that our current context makes it a lot more difficult to, to develop relationships when we're, we're physically not here in the same capacity as we were a year and a bit ago. But looking at these similarities, God knew that Israel needed that constancy. And so again, as a reminder to them, let's read, beginning in verse 15. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in so the Lord's people will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. You see, we require a shepherd to guide us. We are those sheep. We are prone to wander. And the Lord was preparing for Israel a shepherd, someone who would lead them onward. And I think all of this, as we look at this text this morning, points towards the good shepherd, Christ himself. And these similarities that I feel that we all desire in leaders and in especially pastoral leadership are these three things. And it's first that Moses and Joshua both had a vision of much more to be accomplished. You see, I think each recognized that there was still a great work to be done. Each understood that the Lord was not finished what he desired to do. You see, leaders aren't called to simply just do the status quo. If so, I think they fail to understand that God continues in our present day to pour out his spirit upon us, that he goes before us. If you're a fan of C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia series, then, then let me say it this way. 
that we recognize in this season that Aslan is on the move. This reference that C.S. Lewis has to Aslan, the the Christ figure in the Narnia series, that the God is still on the move. And he invites us into his work. And we need leadership that helps us to see this and to say, follow me as I follow the Lord. The second thing is that each of these men were both leaders full of integrity and zealous for God and his glory. If you were to ask me what is the most important character trait of any pastoral leader or or any leader who, who professes a faith in Christ, I would say it's integrity. We have been blessed as a church to have incredibly integrity-driven leadership. We have seen leadership with great integrity for many, many years, and we are experiencing the fruit of that. That is not always the case in every church. We'll look at that again next week, and I know from firsthand experiences what happens when leadership lacks integrity. Now, these were not perfect men, and that's something I want us to make sure we are aware of, that no one is perfect. There's this weird expectation sometimes in the evangelical world that pastors are perfect. We're not. We're far from it. We need God's grace each and every day. We need his mercies that are new each and every morning. But what God calls each of us in leadership to is a life of integrity. And that's what we find in Moses and Joshua. The third thing is this zealousness for God. Look at the lives of both Moses and Joshua. We see in them this zealousness for God. Proverbs 23, 17 declares, Do not let your hearts envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. An incredible book by an author named James K.A. Smith wrote this book called You Are What You Love. And he says this quote in the book. He says, Jesus is a teacher who doesn't just inform our intellect, but forms our very loves. He isn't content to simply deposit new ideas into your mind. He is after nothing less than your wants and your loves and your longings. The life of a leader is one of great love for Christ. What Christ desires, what Christ seeks, what Christ wants, what Christ loves. And Smith goes on in his book to echo this. He says, our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behaviors flow. Simply put, church, if Christ is not at the center, at the core of our lives, then what flows from us will be anything but Christ. And anything other than Christ at the center of our hearts and our lives is an idol. For Joshua, for Moses, they lived lives of zealous love, of fear of the Lord, of worship of him. And so knowing these differences and knowing these similarities of Moses and Joshua, what do we do with all that? Well, I think that's what gets us to our third point this morning, this 
purpose of all of this when things go well. There are countless leadership lessons that we can take away from the transition of Moses to Joshua. And like I mentioned last week, while for us as a culture and as a church, it feels like the only constant is change. And so we're left with this choice when it comes to change to either accept it or to deny its very existence. But we also recognize that even in the midst of change in our culture and in our church, that we saw something peculiar when we looked at the scriptures. We saw three verses, and there are many more, but we saw three verses that I want to bring us back to again this morning and that we will continue to reflect upon over the course of our time in this series. Malachi 3.6a, I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. What we have to remind ourselves of is that we have this constancy and consistency with our God. And I feel that this informs our understanding of leadership, of of leadership transition, and helps us to apply these principles that we see in our story. Again, Moses recognized the temporary nature of leadership and the necessity of succession. Moses understood that his leadership had a shelf life, that none of us can be leaders forever. And so as a church, we enacted a leadership succession plan a while ago as Dale and Don began to prepare for their time of departure from us. An intentional process that began to to help our board and our leadership understand what it would look like as we navigated through this liminal space, this interim season. This was an intentional process. Because leaders are responsible for developing future leaders. We must take the eternal word of God and impart its teachings into the lives of other leaders who will then step up into their roles as the Lord calls them. The Apostle Paul teaches this and makes known this to his protege Timothy in 2 Timothy. And we'll look at that in a few weeks. But Moses did likewise. The Lord told Moses that the spirit of leadership was upon Joshua, that this was a man whom God had chosen now to lead his people. Picking it up in verse 22, Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. But let's be honest with ourselves this morning. This is easier said than done. We read this and we think, well, God told Moses to do this, so of course he did it. But that's not always an easy thing to follow through on when God tells you to do something. You see, for us in a position of leadership, these are the moments where we need to swallow our pride, where we need to kind of check our hearts and put our egos aside and recognize that it's not about us. That regardless of what leadership position we find ourselves in, that you find yourself in, it's not about us. It never has been. It's about what God is doing, whom God has chosen, 
and the purpose and plans that he has for that season. You see, through all these major moments in the life of God's people, Joshua was right beside Moses. And after Moses' death, Joshua was ready to lead Israel. And we'll explore more in the coming weeks this theme of of mentoring, this incredible model of what it looks like for us when we find ourselves in a leadership position to take those who are underneath us, who are beside us, and to mentor and to disciple and to train up so that they one day can take that baton from us and run. And I've had the incredible privilege over the last eight years of being in that position, of having a leadership team above me, of having someone like Dale being able to mentor me and train me so that in a season like this where I find myself thrust into this liminal space, this in-between, where I can sense that the Lord is saying, take the baton and run. Now, it's just for a month and another few weeks, Gary will step into this position and and take that baton and run with it. And that's okay. And that's a good thing. And so for some of us, we may be in that leadership position only for a short season. And we need to acknowledge that God has unique and specific times for each one of us to step up into leadership, just like Joshua. Whether it's a month, whether it's a year, whether it's longer than that, when things go well, the church thrives. And in that season, we give God the glory and he gets it. However long we are given that baton, we are called to run with it. The story of Moses and Joshua was that they were greatly used of God. These were two men of faith full of honesty and humility. And I think as we look at the story of leadership succession from Moses to Joshua, what I think we are called to take away from this today is that God is looking for men and women like Moses, like Joshua, who will trust and obey him and give him the glory no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. That God is looking for leaders who will, who will serve him with the long game in mind. That we won't simply think of ourselves and in the situations and seasons where we find ourselves in those positions of leadership, but that we will look long-term that we'll look at the long game and recognize that what is being asked of us, even in those initial days of leadership, is to think already, who's next? Who will take the baton from me and run with it? Who can I pour out into? Who can I invest into? Not to fluff up my ego, not to give me some sort of image of grandeur, but so that God gets the glory and the kingdom advances. You see, church, what we're called to do is to be a church that makes disciples who make disciples who make disciples. 
as we look at the story of Moses and Joshua, we see just that. Of one leader who saw in another leader an opportunity to say, go. It's your turn. Take the mantle, take the baton, and run with it. Hands were laid, prayers were prayed, and this theme of strength and courage that was proclaimed by God to Joshua, he proclaims now to us. Church, I believe this is a season for us where we need to be strong, that we need to have courage to face the uncertainties and complexities that we are facing in this present day. An experience unlike anything any one of us have ever been trained or prepared for. And so our Lord is saying to you, he is saying to us now, to be strong and courageous. That I am with you always, wherever you go. And so we look at this story of Moses and Joshua, a story of, of when succession goes well. And we rejoice in it. And we give thanks in this season for us as a church that we can say likewise, praise be to God, that we have seen succession go well. And that's not because of what human hands have done, but by the grace of God, as he has poured out his blessings upon us. And so we rejoice and we give thanks. And so church this morning, let me pray for us as we draw to a close. Lord Jesus, these words, be strong and courageous, echo in my mind right now. This story again of when things go well, when one leader prepares the next, we acknowledge, Lord, that we have been blessed in this season of transition. Your grace has been upon us, and we give you thanks for that. And so, Lord, I pray now, if any one of us are feeling anxious, apprehensive, weary, if we find ourselves in these in-between spaces, these liminal spaces, that we know that you are with us by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. That you will never leave us nor forsake us. That you are with us wherever we go. And so thank you for the story of Moses and Joshua. Help us to learn from that and to live out those practices in our lives for all the days of our lives, so long as you give us breath. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.